Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, and as you can probably tell, uh, my tag team partner is apparently being chased down by a truck because it's really, really loud on the other end of the line. It's the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh my gosh! I didn't know if you could hear anything over that. I didn't hear anything, no. Okay, so cool. That sounded really unprofessional, but we've got to get going on this recording. <laughs> um, it <laughs> hey, sounded I've, I've like you were, Meltzer do it, so it's, it's fine. It sounds like you were being chased down by a truck. Did it? Kinda. Well, I am en route. En route, however you say it. So this is going to be interesting. En route, eh? There you go. So I, I don't think, know what... Uh, that's Shakespeare. I don't know if en route is a word. Well, it is now. All right, cool. So this has been a roaring start to this particular episode. Um, welcome in, everybody. We are uh, a week and a half removed from SummerSlam. Um, we obviously had some issues last week, so we were unable to uh, record our SummerSlam reactions, as was promised. Um, for that, we are very sorry okay. and feel... It's keeping our uh, visage of low quality and grassroots uh, shoestring budget. As if the uh, intro didn't also push that, push that, uh, push those parameters that much a little bit more. We really like to hammer that home. That's we really like to hammer the hammer the fact home that we are really, really not professionals. Right. At least not at this. You're a professional wrestler. I mean, that's one thing. That is true. That I is... have done professional like broadcasting work. That's another thing. Yeah, we just so, don't we don't bring that professionalism here. We keep that locked away, along with our some of our ego. Yes, that's I feel true. like we're we, doing. We strictly want to do this as amateurs. They've they've offered us a lot of money, and we've just said, you know what, it's not worth it. If so, by us why you, you mean other people, because if they offered us a lot of money and you turned it down, I would be really upset. Oh well, we'll talk later. <laughs> Alright, so, um, we have a lot to get through, and we're already, I don't know how far in we are, but we're really far in. We're like three minutes in, and we've done nothing but put ourselves down. So let's uh, build ourselves up a little bit. First of all, we would certainly uh, like to send out our positive vibes continued to Ric Flair. We've heard very, uh, very promising things that are coming from his uh what what am i trying to say his camp as it were charlotte came out on uh a wwe.com exclusive to say that he was doing better and that she was back on the road because she felt that he was in a good enough place that she didn't have anything to really worry about um the consistent language we're hearing is he's not out of the woods yet but it is a situation where things are much more improved than uh Triple H actually went on to SportsCenter earlier today and also offered up saying that Flair is in much better shape than he was. He's not quite out of the woods yet, but he is in much better shape and uh, certainly certainly still want all the good vibes to head out to uh, down to Georgia where he's still in the hospital, still recovering. But I think uh, the Nate kicked out, uh, Nature Boy kicking out at two and a half, no big surprise. He says I would expect him to do. Now, do we know if he's still like on dialysis? Do we do we have that much information? Or are we? I do are, not. Our crack at, research team. At this point, um, our crack research team can only do what videos basically come up and what uh, news clippings come up. Not a whole lot is known, which I think is part of what the family probably wants. Uh, but we'll we'll see as more news comes out. But things look good. We'll leave it at that. Things look good. Could be a lot worse. It certainly could be. And we're certainly grateful it is not. Um, all right. Yes, so uh, going on from that, we have a couple of big news things to hit. Um, I was going to talk about, I was going to get a quick SummerSlam recap, but we really have to talk about two things that happened this week. One, of course, is the thing that most people are probably let off their podcasts with, and that was the Cena Reigns promo uh, on Monday Night Raw. But I would like to start with 
the pro wrestling, uh, the PWI 500, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's top 500 wrestlers of the year. They have released the 2017 rankings, and this goes from uh, July 1st through June 30th. So July 1st, 2017, uh, 2016 through June 30th, 2017, and they put these out every year. Uh, the big, su- I, I shouldn't say a surprise, but a bit of a historic moment for them as a Japanese wrestler is number one for the first time in their publication's history. Kazuchika Okada is the best wrestler in the world, and there's a I saw a couple people who disagreed, but I think when they figured out that it includes half of 2016 as well, I don't think people can be super upset. Yeah, I I agree, agree with it. I can see where you could pick, you know, one or two other guys that you could really make a strong argument for, but they are not the world champion of their promotions. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I mean it, it, to me it's a clear choice. Yeah, well, you and I talked about this recently too that Okada Okada and Omega have been two of the best in the world in the last year, but if you're going back to July 1st of last year, you've got to put Okada on that list. He's had nothing. He's had I think 6 5 6 7 five-star matches in the last year, uh, not including the two six-star matches he's had, two or three six-star matches he's had, and the one six-and-a-quarter-star match where Dave Meltzer continues to break his rankings for Okada. Um, Mm -hmm. It's every time Okada gets in the ring in a singles match, you just assume it's going to be a classic. And he's put on great matches with everybody. So I think it is completely well-deserved. And... I think that putting him in the top two was a necessity. Putting him number one was the right call. Yes. Um, in second place, AJ Styles, uh, who was fourth last year and is continually regarded as one of the best in the world, even though he's in a company that sometimes struggles with those sort of monikers because they wrestle a very specific style that doesn't necessarily lend itself to these classic matches. But... AJ Styles gets the best out of almost everybody. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but you know they can still do big moments really well, and when they do them, they're bigger than when anyone else tries to do them. So yeah. in that sense, I can see why he's that far up the list. Yeah, and um, right behind him, I would not... Not, I think, a surprise to most wrestling fans, but if you think about kind of where he's used on the card and where he's been in the last year, Kevin Owens at number three. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, remember, this encapsulates his entire title run uh, with the Universal Championship last year, which I act, a lot of people, I heard a lot of murmurs that he was he fell victim to kind of that first world title run curse where they don't seem to do very well. I think Kevin Owens was a great Universal Champion, and he along with Chris Jericho, were in a storyline that lasted nine months and was kind of a slow burn and was great. I think it was one of the best segments on Raw every time they were out there. Yeah, and we're still kind of getting the, you know, aftershock tremors of that storyline. You know, the most recent time Jericho was on SmackDown, they, you know, brought it right back up and, and people are still into it. So... Maybe not best wrestler, maybe not um, you know number one in the PWI 500, but maybe best feud of the year. Although there's some pretty stacked competition there from Japan. I don't think Okada Omega is getting uh, getting dethroned from that uh, from that that honor, but Owens and Jericho should be definitely near the top. Uh, that is yes. that was easily one of the best storylines that WWE has put out in the last couple of years. Uh, it was it was really really good. Uh, Roman Reigns falls to fourth after being number one last year. Kenny Omega, the highest jumper into the top ten, with uh, excuse me into the top five as he jumps eighteen spots. He is in fifth place. A lot of people disputing that. I saw online saying that Omega deserves to be higher up, but uh, 
if you look at Omega from January to now, I would say you're correct. I think he wasn't quite finished. He took him the end of last year to really build up that kind of mystique to where when he faced Okada, it was huge. And you got to remember that this ranking doesn't include the most recent G1 and the specials in Long Beach. So if you were to include those, I would say, yeah, he should be up another spot or two, but this is before that. So yeah, we'll see what happens next year. Yeah, this was this actually, like I said, goes to, through June 30th of this year. So that was literally a day before the G1 special in USA, which... Which is too bad because I think that would have pushed Omega up a little bit further. Um, but that was not the case. So rounding out the top 10, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Dean Ambrose, Bobby Roode, and The Miz. I want to quickly touch on those mm-hmm. last two. Uh, the Miz cracking the top 10. And he was 22nd last year. He is in the top 10, and I think it's actually well-deserved. Promo, he's probably, you know what, he's probably the best promo of those 10, maybe, besides Kevin Owens. And I think he's done his best promo work in the last year, and I think his best in-ring work in the last year. For The Miz, this counts that Dolph Ziggler match that he had the end of last year, that was Mm -hmm. the uh, Ziggler leaves WWE if he loses, and that was a great match. That That was the match on that card. Yeah, as an yeah, IC title match. People are kind of soured on the whole Dolph Ziggler thing, like they are again. But Miz made it interesting. This also includes the Miz uh, breaking out with that promo against Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack. The Miz has had a banner year, and even including his WWE title run, I'd say this is probably the best, strongest year of his career to this point. Yeah, I would say so. Number number nine, I don't want to skip past him, Bobby Roode with the highest jump in the top ten, 61 spots up to number nine, really took that NXT title and ran with it and had a fantastic run in NXT. See, I don't see for me, Bobby Roode, and this is no knock, but that is the most controversial of the top ten for me. Do you think? Do you think it's because? I, I don't know. Do you think it's because it was NXT, or do you think it was? I just think, and this is comparative, so maybe it's unfair, but I think Bobby Roode did less with the NXT title than the last three or four NXT champions, which were Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, and Finn Balor, respectively, and Kevin Owens yeah. was before Finn Balor, so. I guess to an extent, I agree with you. I think Bobby Roode was was a really good champion, but I think as a wrestler, he's got a huge name right now, and I think that has a lot to do with this. Now, he is a very good wrestler. He's a great promo, but do you think a lot of this might have to do with that theme song? You know, if, if theme song is a factor, I don't know how weighted the criteria is, but if it is a factor, then I understand. All right, so I take I back what I said, and I understand why he's at number nine. <laughs> so I don't want to go too far down this list. Uh, there's some really good names on here, but um, I, I didn't have enough time to review the list to see who dropped the most. Um, but I can tell you who jumped the most uh, in the top thirty, and actually, I think he was the he jumped the most into the top one hundred. Uh, um, and that was Pete Dunne. Uh, Pete mm. Dunne getting that UK championship. He's 29 on this list, right behind Finn Balor. Wow. Now, remember, Finn Balor was hurt most of this year. So the fact that Finn Balor is just in front of him, maybe that means something different. But he's right behind Finn Balor and right in front of Jinder Mahal. Well, I you know, a lot of people say that the best match of the last year on WWE programming was uh, the Dunn bait match uh, from TakeOver, I want to say Toronto? It was TakeOver Chicago. Chicago, okay, yeah. Um, but a lot of people are saying that's the best WWE match of the last year, and it's hard to prove them wrong. 
I think that's probably true. I would I would absolutely so, agree with that. For WWE, I think that's WWE's best match of the year thus far. Um, if it wasn't, I think it would be match of the year overall, if not for Omega Okada. Right. If there were no other countries or continents in the world, then that would be match of the year. But uh, we've just, it's been an embarrassing year uh, for wrestling fans. I mean, you have to just sit back and laugh and go, wow, we're never going to get another year like this as far as match quality. Probably not, which makes me sad that we're in almost September. Um, Although, I will say this will probably mean that Wrestle Kingdom 12 in January is going to be flipping insane. Yeah, that's going to be a big show. And uh, we'll we'll be going on, what, uh, about 18 months as uh, Okada's reign. Let me ask you something. And mm. as far as... and I, This is a really tough question to ask. If you had a free ticket, free accommodation, you could go completely free of charge, would you go... But you can only go to one. Would you go to Wrestle Kingdom 12 or would you go to WrestleMania 34? Wow. That is a tough one. You know, well, what do, what do we know? What do we know about the two events? We know with WrestleMania, it's in New Orleans, and we're going to most likely, again, it's back on the table. We're going to get Reigns, Isner, and, and uh, I'm not sure what else. Maybe AJ Nakamura. Um, hmm. And then Russell Kingdom, uh, we're going to have, what, Naito, Okada. Right. Boom, I just got a lot of feedback. Hold on one second. You know what, I'm going to have to go with Russell Kingdom. Really? I I felt like the, the nostalgia and the pull of like the Hall of Fame or something might be the tipping point, but if you just go event to event, just mania to Russell Kingdom... I'd have to agree with you. I think no matter it's a close call. Don't get me wrong. Because I, I feel like you know, I feel like Wrestle Kingdom might also have Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, as a match. Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, that might you be know, a really good match. My, it's it's just so hard. But you got to think. You know, if you look back, would you rather have been at Wrestle Kingdom eleven or WrestleMania thirty three? I would totally have rather been at Wrestle Kingdom 11. <laughs> right. So you got to think. Although I will One say, in hindsight, show, in, hi- in hindsight, seeing Undertaker's last match would have been something really special. So I don't know. A lot of people are saying it's not his last match now that he's going to come back and and work with Cena for his last match, and and uh, maybe a seed was planted this past monday night on raw uh for that what a wonderful segue you just dropped because the other biggest story of this week has been the cena reigns broke the wall promo uh broke the fourth wall promo broke the wall promo is something chris jericho did i'm sure um (laughs) but i feel like for just one you can't do that every week but that one instant i felt like they got it they understood they had to do that for this particular rivalry to get the steam it needs. I agree. I mean, if you just try to be, you know, the poster boy John Cena versus poster boy Roman Reigns, people are going to crap all over it. And and it's just going to ruin whatever you're trying to do. I'm very surprised that they're doing it at no mercy which is kind of like a b show i'm um, shocked by this i assumed this was a wrestlemania match i assumed it was the WrestleMania I figured, main event i figured this was going to be when they kind of teased it last week i assumed that this would be a slow build to wrestlemania where let's put the idea in place cena wants reigns but stuff keeps getting in the way then they're you know reluctant tag team partners i think you could have done a really good build with this but if you're gonna like go for it right off the bat 
I'm not upset with the direction they've headed because you've now dropped the promo that I think they dropped two weeks, at least two weeks too early because nothing in this rivalry is going to top what happened Monday. Well, it's it's almost like they shouldn't even do anything. You know, they should keep them apart, not have them interact at all, maybe do, you know, the floating head interview with them, but really they don't have to. If they just left it now and let the word of mouth build up for the next two weeks, I think that would work just fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confused as to why perhaps Cena has to leave. I've heard, you know, things like that. He's got to go. He's got to film something. He's obviously got a part in the, um, what is it, Bumblebee movie, uh, the, the Transformers spinoff. Yes. Um, so, but but I don't understand why you can't plant the seed, have him do what he has to do when he comes back in time for WrestleMania to do it there. But, you know, we've got a pay-per-view. We've got this No Mercy pay-per-view. Look, I'm not complaining. It's I'm getting it now. I don't have to wait for it. But it is odd that we have two of the biggest matches, most anticipated matches that WWE could put on happening on this beep show. I mean, we have not only Lesnar and uh, and um, Strowman, Braun uh, Strowman, which you know everything that they've been doing, the build to that match is just as good, if not better, than what we saw from Reigns and Cena, uh, and and they're giving that on the same show. So very interesting. Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out why they don't have another quarterly call coming up um i don't you know i don't know if they're trying to boost the numbers i have there's not really any reason for it but i have a theory Uh uh-huh so then they've done this before where remember way back in the day um when the network first launched and they were offering if you sign up now you'll get the network free for six months or something um and or you get it free up to this point, and then mm-hmm. you have to start paying for it. I am wondering, and what they did in that case was that SummerSlam, because that six months was supposed to expire at the end of SummerSlam. Um, so, or right after SummerSlam that year, and that year SummerSlam was Cena versus Lesnar. Mm. In that one, they rushed the rematch between those two to the following pay-per-view, which I don't remember what the pay-per-view was that immediately followed it, but um, I don't remember if it was Night of Champions or I, I don't even remember anymore. But they rushed it because they wanted people to buy that rematch. Uh, they wanted people to buy to subscribe to the network to watch that rematch. So it makes me wonder if maybe this is a little bit more short-sighted than we thought it was, in that maybe the numbers, their subscription numbers went up a decent amount for SummerSlam with that fatal four-way match, with Nakamura in a championship match. Um, you know, SummerSlam was a relatively stacked card, even though it moved kind of slow. Um, it makes me wonder if they pushed that a little bit harder because they realize we have to have these people, they have their free month is going to expire. Let's have them buy the next month. I wonder if that's part of what this is. Yeah, I mean, it could be a, a, a retention thing, um, which would make sense, but only in, only if they stop doing the extended free trials, which I don't think they have stopped. You know, now you well, it's get a, your it's free a, month. It's a 30-day free trial. Yeah, it's a 30-day free trial. You go to cancel, and a lot of people are getting emails saying, would you like 60 more free days, you know, you know, try us out for 60 more days free and then decide. Um, and people can do this multiple times from, from what's been reported from, you know, the Wrestling Observer uh, you know, and, and all these other outlets. So I get what you're saying, but if, it, if they're not doing that, you know, if, you're, if they're not cutting off the freebies, uh, then it, you're just continuing to give really great matches away for free. Yeah, you're you're probably right. Um, I don't know exactly. It was, I I don't know I, this this whole situation. Why you do this? No mercy, especially when you have Strowman and Ed Lesnar as your main event already. It doesn't really right, make and it's sense. It's not like you don't have 
Summer or Survivor Series, that's not that far off. Royal Rumble, not incredibly far off. You know, so uh, it's it's interesting because what do they do now? You know, what do they do after Reigns and Cena? I have I have no idea. I don't really honestly or does, know. Or do where they not going. resolve it? Do they you know have a wacky finish and then you know the rematch is at WrestleMania, which is probably more likely. But uh, but then again, you know, what was supposed to happen on Raw was supposed to be Cena versus Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe got injured. So was it just a Hail Mary, you know, let's get something on, and we got a really great promo out of it? I mean, I feel like you could have put... You could have put big matches together, I think, without giving it away at no mercy. You could have done pretty much the same thing with Finn Balor. Um, but I think that one, Cena probably goes over. Um, yeah. We've seen Bray Wyatt before, but you could dust off that old chestnut. That's been a few years. That feel that would feel somewhat fresh again. Um, yeah. although, although Bray Wyatt has not had a great year. Bray Wyatt doesn't ever win. I don't know why we assume he's going to. Uh, <laughs> Cena can't take on Big Cass, because Big Cass Where is hurt. Where is... Um... Where is No Mercy? Is it in a big, like... Like, I remember when they did the Alamo Dome for the Royal Rumble uh, two years back, and they stacked the card because they had to fill in, like, 60,000 seats or something like that. So, I mean, it could be something like that, but I think, you know, if I remember correctly, it's just in a regular, pretty standard arena for the WWE. Uh, It is at the Staples Center. Okay, I mean, that's bigger, but it's... um, I mean, it's bigger in a sense that it's a... Uh, you know, hotter market, but I have a seat wise, it's about the same. I have one more additional theory. Raw is trying okay. to compete with SmackDown because guess what's a SmackDown pay per view this year? What's that? Hell in a Cell, hmm. which is the following pay per view in October for SmackDown after No Mercy. Right. I mean, it's not you know, it's not crazy. They did. They shot the whole, I mean, this is akin, the last time they did an angle like this was the uh, CM Punk thing, you know, and they did that at Money in the Bank, so it's not odd for it to not be one of the big four, it's just a little odd that they would do it so quickly after Cena comes to Raw, it's like they couldn't wait, they were just too excited, they were kids in a candy store, and they were just, they had to have it right now, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? You think it's going to be a wacky finish where, you know, maybe a double count out or DQ or something like that? Or do you think we're going to have, you know, because he loses. That's, that's a pretty big blow to his career, I would think. Not only did you get buried and made fun of and, and really just kind of blown away in the promo, but you can't even... You can't even uh, get the the you know revenge or what have you by winning the match. I have no idea, to be honest. I I feel like this is Reigns' match to win because I think Cena is in the business of putting guys over. Although I have, I there's a thing you could do here which I don't agree with because I think WrestleMania shouldn't be for rematches in most instances. But you could have seen a beat. Um, you could have seen a beat Reigns, not necessarily like Goldberg beat Lesnar last year, but have seen a beat Reigns, and have Reigns internalize it and just start taking people out. He are he's already the biggest heel in the company. Uh, people within the company have even started saying that. Um, so there's a way I think you could do this where he's taking out other heels but he's just getting all he's getting really aggressive and build that towards wrestlemania rematch with cena where reigns can go back over however Cena's probably going out here i think reigns is going to win because they're going to put reigns over he's going to get booed and uh he will continue being a big heel yeah i mean i i just 
I like how you started that with Cena's in the business of putting guys over after seeing his match with Baron Corbin. At I didn't say at all guys. I just said guys. No, <laughs> he's in the business of putting the guys over. Oh, okay. I mean, hey, they could have soured on uh, Reigns like they sour. I, I, I can only assume they soured on Baron Corbin because he unsuccessfully cashes in his money in the bank, turns right around, loses in the opening match to Cena after one attitude adjustment, which every guy in the last five years has kicked out of twice every <laughs> match. So, you know, I, I can only assume they came around on their opinion on uh, on Baron Corbin. So maybe something similar is happening with Reigns. I don't know. I but, wish uh, they hadn't ruined Baron Corbin in that way. I wish... I wish... And, and they ruined the Money in the Bank briefcase too although this works out golden for carmella because now she doesn't have to split that attention it's just carmella with a briefcase at this point so and i think she's a much better choice with it yeah i mean more entertaining of the two certainly um but you know the division that she has it in isn't as entertaining as the division that he was competing in um but she's definitely the more entertaining with the briefcase that's what happens when you only have six women in total on your well, I guess yeah. seven if you include uh, if you include Lana. If my memory I is correct, I don't think I, we should. <laughs> Lana's gone back to being a manager again. I think they've soured on her as as a wrestler. You you really can see who they don't like very quickly. Yes, it's very apparent. Um, so uh, I just want to take a look since we were talking about pay per views. No mercy for Raw. September 24th, so a month, uh, so five weeks after SummerSlam, we get a two-week break, and then it's Hell in a Cell, meaning it's two weeks later. Um, so in actuality, we, we get to go right back to pay-per-view, break, pay-per-view, break, and then break, and then or then another pay-per-view. So No Mercy, September 24th, that's in LA, uh, Hell in a Cell, is going to be for SmackDown on October 8th. That's Detroit in Detroit, Michigan at the new Little Caesars Arena. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds... Nothing scarier than that. Joe Louis Arena sounded way cooler. Um, anyways, and then October 22nd is the Raw-only pay-per-view TLC, and that's in Minneapolis. And then we get a month before Survivor Series. So Raw, SmackDown, Raw. Big pay-per-view, and then there is a to-be-announced, rumored pay-per-view for December 17th in Boston. Hmm. No name yet, though. No name. Um, I wonder if they're trying to decide exactly what to put there. Um, That's usually where, I mean, TLC is usually the December one, but I see they moved that up. Um, I don't know. Bring back Armageddon. They'll, pro- they'll probably build branding. December last year was Roadblock. Hmm. So I wonder if they're rethinking that. Roadblock end of the line? Sure. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm pretending to be in the creative uh, room. Is it possible? I would like to pose this to you. Is it possible that we take a break from a pay-per-view in December and we go from Thanksgiving weekend Survivor Series directly to the Rumble? When's the last time that happened? I do not have enough time to research that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go back and find it pretty 90, easily, but ninety-three, um, ninety-four, before the In Your House pay-per-view started. Um, yeah, that would be weird, but I don't think they're going to do that. Even though, I mean, they're not really using it anymore, so it doesn't really doesn't really matter, you know. Um, you know, because what's the difference if they had Survivor Series and instead of a pay-per-view, quote unquote, they had, uh, you know. Uh, WWE Network special live in Tokyo or something like that again and then had the Royal Rumble. Would that be considered going straight from Survivor Series to Royal Rumble or would that special event be considered the same uh, you know, plane of existence with 
a pay-per-view. So, I mean, all the language is getting changed around anyway, so... So I, 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 I wouldn't be that shocking to me if that happened. I had more time than I thought. The last time that Survivor Series and then the Royal Rumble happened with no uh, pay-per-views in between was 1994 to 1995. Okay, yeah. I was, I was there. I and was then, close. Then the In Your House pay-per-view started, and you had that right. Um and uh, I'm, I'm just scrolling through. Once you get into the late 90s, early 2000s, they were doing so many events. You know what used to be there that's not there that I think was always a cool pay-per-view name? Armageddon. Yeah, that's what I said. You could bring back Armageddon. Uh, I missed that because I was researching. For, too early for New Year's Revolution. Um, but they could bring back that if they wanted. Where'd... Maybe they'll um, Maybe they'll update their cyber sunday and make it like uh i don't know something cheesy that has app in it like, cyber sunday was a good was a good pay-per-view for that time of year because it was like black friday and makes a lot of sense actually um i wouldn't necessarily like be upset with that error or something like oh that. please don't please don't don't <laughs> put that out in the ether yeah oh, that was a terrible <laughs> thing for you to do um in a random bit of trivia, did you know that the first New Year's Revolution took place January 9th, 2005? And it was in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And it featured Triple H versus Chris Benoit versus Chris Jericho versus Batista versus Randy Orton versus Edge as your main event of the evening. Was it in a chamber or, or was it just in a match? No, it looks like it was just a match. Huh. Let oh no 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 that was that was a bad thing to say. Hang on, that was an elimination chamber match. You were absolutely correct. Triple H with Ric Flair defeated Edge, Benoit, Jericho, Batista, Orton, and uh, Shawn Michaels was the special guest Jeff, uh, special guest referee. Yeah, because two thousand. Five, so that would have been uh, WrestleMania 21, and that would have been when Batista won the uh, Rumble and and turned on uh, Evolution. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Edge was, was the a, first. That was a good time period. Edge was the first. Uh, let me read this card to you, and you can tell me if it was. Um, Edge was the first eliminated. Then Benoit, Jericho, Batista, and Orton was last. Um, Orton pinned Batista after an RKO. Triple H pinned Randy Orton after a pedigree. Here was that card. Eugene and William Regal defending their champ- World Tag Team Championships against Christian and Tyson Tomko. Uh, oh, yeah. Trish Stratus defeated Lita for the WWE Women's Championship. Shelton That's Benjamin good. retained his Intercontinental title against Maven. And uh, let me let me throw these barn burners at you. Muhammad Hassan defeated Jerry Lawler with Jim Ross in Lawler's corner in a singles match. <laughs> Kane defeated Snitsky, and then that elimination chamber match we just spoke about. Uh, the women's match for the women's championship: three minutes and forty-six seconds. Shortest match on the card was actually shorter than the tag team match that took place in the. The, the dark uh, tag team match, which was the Hurricane and Rosie taking on La Resistance. And uh, then... Uh, it's weird how vividly I remember all these, uh, this time period. This was right <laughs> before I got started watching. So this is all a lovely little trek for me. All right, so um, we are at uh, 40 minutes. So we've got a little bit of time left. Um Honestly, well, I think we should touch on the uh, the biggest fight in history, maybe just real quick, you know. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I forgot all about the McGregor Mayweather fight. (laughs) I did a sports entertainment covering podcast, and let me assure you, Mayweather McGregor was definitely sports entertainment in every sense of the term, except for the uh, the false finishes and the. the talent knowing how it's going to end. Oh, I would I would say the latter might not be true. Um, the false finishes. Yeah, that's a stylistic thing. But I 
I think that one day we'll find out. Maybe not because there's just an insane amount of money. You know, it, it was it was said that if McGregor had won, that many casinos would have gone out of business in in uh, Vegas. So when you got stuff like, like that on the line, I just don't think it's a a real fight. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think you know because I, I, I wasn't mean, all I so, it, as somebody who didn't watch it. I heard that it was actually a lot more entertaining than a lot of people assumed it would be, given that Mayweather isn't exactly. wasn't one for entertaining fights, um, and McGregor really held his own for the most part. Well, I mean that that's all you know proof. To the, to the idea that they were working together to put on an entertaining fight. You know, you don't... You couldn't have had a better outcome for both of them. You know, if if McGregor gets knocked out in the first round, that's not that entertaining. If it goes 12 rounds, split decision, not a lot of action, and points go to Mayweather, not that entertaining. But... A lot of action early on from McGregor, uh, and then a few good rounds from Mayweather where he's much more lively than he's ever fought. He's a defensive boxer, but in this fight, he's he's very aggressive in the later rounds. McGregor, 0-0 boxer, goes 10 rounds with the champ, with the greatest, you know, arguably the greatest boxer that ever lived. Doesn't get knocked down, but the ref stops the match because he's out on his feet, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you couldn't have asked for a better booking that put both of those guys over in a better light. Nobody was hurt. Uh, everyone enjoyed the match. The fans enjoyed the match. And, um, you know, it is what it is. It's it's good booking. Do you think that uh, as somebody who once really, really put a lot of time and effort into watching MMA, uh, but stopped watching MMA for the most part during the rise of McGregor. I once saw a fight with Randy Couture, and I cannot remember the boxer's name, but he was a relatively successful boxer who said that mixed martial arts was uh, easy and that he would have no problem going in and basically beating everybody. So the UFC took his challenge... And Randy Couture came out of retirement. Now, Randy Couture at this point was 48 years old, came out of retirement and beat the man silly because he knew how to box. But Randy Couture is one of the best uh, amateur wrestlers of any professional sport ever and proceeded to just wail on him for a good 10 minutes. Um, whereas, so the that boxer stood no chance. However... Conor McGregor goes into a boxing ring and maybe it was maybe it was a work but assuming that it wasn't um, apparently held his own relatively well meaning that mixed martial artists I think might be better combat athletes or at least they may not be quite the elites that these top end boxers are in boxing alone but they can stand their own and are also really really good at other things. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot to it. You know, obviously MMA, there's a vast number of disciplines uh, that you can excel at and train in, and everything is going to help you. And we know that McGregor trained in boxing, um, whereas with with boxing, it's it's very limited. And you could even see in the match McGregor's kind of reflexes going in. He was doing a lot of uh, MMA style holding and trying to strike uh, like hammer fist style, uh, which isn't as successful with a boxing glove on as it is an MMA glove. Um, so you can see those reflexes kicking in. So I think if what you're trying to say is if it were an MMA fight, would Mayweather have won? No, he wouldn't have. He would have. It would have been much quicker because there's just a vast number of dimensions more to the combat in an MMA f- match than there is in a boxing match. Um, with that being said, you know, 
McGregor held his own, but he had some very serious advantages. He was over 20 pounds heavier than Mayweather. He's over 10 years younger. He's an active, in his prime, uh, you know, martial artist, whereas Mayweather has been retired for over two years. Um, and they were using eight-ounce gloves. So all these things allowed McGregor to have quite an advantage for being even even for being an O and O boxer. Mm -hmm. So you know, if if they were evenly matched, both in their prime, same weight class, and then it came over, I I think it would probably have been a lot quicker fight and uh Mayweather would have, you know, probably finished him off sooner. But then again, you know, that's not really Mayweather's style, so mm -hmm. I don't know. I think a lot was in McGregor's favor. Not enough for him to win, but enough for him to do what he did. He made plenty of money. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. So much so much money. Now, we've got the preliminary pay-per-view buy rate that came from Dana White. He says $6.5 I don't... I, I'm, I'm weary of that. I'm skeptical of that. We won't know for a, little, a few more days. Um, so we'll see when it actually comes out. But major pay-per-view issues, a lot of outages, especially with the internet stream of it from UFC. I heard about um, that. So, yeah, so a lot of problems. They're going to probably have to issue a lot of refunds. That That's going to make them take a hit. And then again, if it's 6.5 million pay-per-view buys, but only 2 or 3 million of those are from the U.S., then that's something to take into account because... In the U.S., it was you know basically hundred dollars a pop, but in the U.K., it was like twenty five dollars. So, you know, you got to look at where they're coming from, also. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing what you're referring to. I thought it might have been an official statement about uh, from Dana White, but apparently it was something that was on uh, Instagram. Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah. Um, as something that was on Instagram from Uriah Faber. Um, interesting. The, um, yeah. It'll be interesting if it was true. Be, and we'll find that out in the next couple of weeks. Because if it did do six and a half million buys, it would be the, um, it would be the pay-per-view record. And it would destroy the previous pay-per-view record that was set by Mayweather Pacquiao. Uh, which did 4.6 million buys, and from what I understand, was way more entertaining than Mayweather Pacquiao. Yes, this this fight was definitely more entertaining, and and definitely to me had a better build as far as like you know mass public. Um, you know, McGregor is much more entertaining than Pacquiao um, to English speaking fans. And he definitely sold the fight a lot better than Pacquiao did. Um, and, and people, you know, people are going to buy Mayweather fights because he's he's Mayweather, you know. But this was the last one, you know. I, and I and I think um, that had a lot to do with uh, with it as well. You know, people thought when he fought Pacquiao, and it and it was a boring fight. I mean, it really was a hard to watch fight. People kind of got it in their heads that okay well he's going to come back and do something because he can't end on that note and yeah. this was a very high note for him to end on so 50 well. and 0 nice clean even number and you know you know over 300 million dollars uh in one night not not bad well i'm sure wwe would be happy to host the rematch <laughs> well you know they might get john jones and lesnar because uh I don't think we talked about this. I think this happened we in didn't, our hiatus. Cause we didn't, because we, well, hiatus. We talked two weeks ago just before SummerSlam. Uh, That's true. But it happened right after that. So uh, I'm pretty sure we didn't talk about it. But anyways, John Jones got busted for uh, for steroids. Again. Yeah. Really and, weird. Okay, so for people that don't know the history... John Jones was kind of the guy that had the potential to be the biggest star in MMA 
at a time when MMA is on top. So, you know, essentially the biggest combat sports star in the world. And he was at, but, and, and you're absolutely right, he came along at like 23 years old. He came along right as the UFC was hitting their peak. And this was right at the end of Anderson Silva, who was their most dominant fighter until Jones came along. Um, and at 23, John Jones looked like a legitimate superhero. Even one night when he was headed to a fight, on his way there, he saw somebody getting mugged. He chased and tackled the guy who was causing, committing the crime and had the and they had the guy arrested. So, John Jones looks like a legitimate superhero. Yeah, and and all the talent in the world, you know, so 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 much potential. But he you know, gets busted. Uh this was what 20 11 2013 maybe I I can't remember the exact year but he gets busted with um, something that he claims was like a male enhancement pill or something like that that got snuck to him he wasn't taking it on purpose all this and that so they gave him a light suspension well it was a year suspension but it was lighter than usual and um, then you know during this time, following this time, he's got some DUIs. Um, he's got some drug problems. His name is in the press very often in a bad light. Then we get this this you know last month or a couple weeks ago this fight with Cormier, his uh, his rival, I guess you could say. Um, and this was his big comeback show, and a lot was riding on this. People wanted to know: Has John Jones changed? Is he finally ready? to take that mantle where he's supposed to be, where he rightfully belongs. And he, he beats Cormier, and he delivers this great uh, speech afterwards, and people are just so happy for him. Everyone was in his corner, everyone rooting for him to, to turn his life around, and he did. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, we get the news. He's, uh, he's tested dirty for a, a very old steroid, uh, something that's not, to my knowledge, uh, from what I've heard, on the kind of market where you could get it from a doctor or anything like that. This is, this is like an underground black market steroid that the uh, Russians used back in the day. You know, one of, one of those type things. So very, no way around this. No, no way to say, oh, I don't know. I didn't know I was taking it or anything like this. And um, the UFC and USADA, they haven't laid down the suspension yet but people are assuming four years uh which would essentially you know be his the rest of his career so, so uh to the big lesnar john jones match that was theorized for next year which would be kind of the biggest match of next year big dream fight for ufc looks to be off the table so i'm reading up on it a little bit while you were going through the explanation the um the substance is called uh, turinabol. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that appropriately. Uh, basically, what has come out today, so we have as up-to-the-minute news as I can ma- manage to find, what has happened today is that the California State Athletic Commission, uh, their commissioner, um, whose name, uh, Andy Foster, so he's the executive director, I should say, of the California State Athletic Commission, which they are the group, along with USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency. Um, they are the ones who do the drug tests. USADA performs the drug test. California State Athletic Commission essentially is the ones who manage everything. So they, they're the ones who set up the who work with USADA to set up the, the appointments, get everything done, do all the random testing. Uh, so anyways... Here's essentially so what you what you said is right as far as they are this isn't something he would have wouldn't have known about. That being said, apparently he didn't test positive for the sixth and the July sixth and July seventh. He failed the one that was on July twenty eighth. So that's the one he's currently under some scrutiny about. Um, right. However, the, 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 the nature of the compound that he took, the steroid that he took, is not. Um, it, it's very effective within like the six to eight weeks before a competition. So it wouldn't be, be something 
long ago. It would be something very recent and like bodybuilders use it to cut weight right before a, a show or something like that. Well, if that if it is the six to eight weeks, that would have fallen into that time frame at the beginning of July as opposed to the end of July. Because this fight happened, I believe, at the very beginning of August or uh, it might have been July 29th. Um, anyways, basically, the executive director of the uh, Athletic Commission in California is saying that none of this really makes any sense. It's really possible that could have been a tainted sample, um, but that is why when they do drug testing, they take an A sample and a B sample, two separate samples. So if one is one is test positive, and maybe it's a false positive, maybe there's an issue with the test or the sample itself, they go to the B sample, which uh, if that tests positive that would probably trigger the suspension. Uh, if it's negative, he probably will get away without any issue. Um, however, if it tests positive, he'd probably be able to appeal at a hearing that's going to be in October. But essentially at this point, if, it's, if that B sample tests positive, he's probably done it. You're right, it would trigger a four-year suspension. He's definitely not fighting Lesnar. Uh, at least... Not in the UFC. And, not in the UFC. But perhaps, maybe, maybe. And this has been the theory that's gone around since this news came up. If he is suspended and he is not able to fight, that would not mean that he wouldn't be able to go maybe do another athletic activity. One that might look like fighting, but is not actually. Uh, maybe do his, uh, WrestleMania appearance? Maybe. So, uh, for that, we will need to see. But it does make some very... It makes for some very interesting television. So, real quick, because we are pretty much at the end of our time. We talked through most everything. Two points. One, Jeff Hardy is going to challenge for the Intercontinental Championship. This feels Weird. like it came out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, of all the guys in that battle royal, I was not thinking Jeff Hardy. Neither was I. I, I assumed it was Jason Jordan, and the fact that Hardy eliminated Jordan, and that Matt Hardy got eliminated so much earlier in the match, I am a little nervous. Although I could see where this could be your kind of breaking off point, where the two of them kind of go their separate ways, but maybe Matt Hardy's like, oh no, this is happening again. He starts to maybe break a little bit could be or it could just be who's a guy that Miz can beat and won't hurt by beating man remember when Jeff Hardy was WWE champion um the one other thing I want to hit on uh is the return of Southpaw Regional Wrestling <laughs> have you watched I haven't seen the new episode you need to it's fantastic it uh Tex Ferguson on a road trip it it I, is uh, really good. They they introduce a couple of new characters. It's it's great. I wanted to bring up my favorite moment of the week, and that came on SmackDown during the Fashion Files, which rather lackluster Fashion Files this week, but they did have one line in it. Um, do you, did you see this line? I know I did, but I don't remember specifically what you're talking about. But I'm gonna pop when you say it. I'm sure. They just they referenced the fact that Vince McMahon does not call belts belts. He doesn't want the titles called belts or titles. He wants them called championships. Yes, I did catch and, that. And it was great. Yeah, Breeze holds up a a belt, an actual belt that you wear to hold up your pants, and um, they're just they're picking up these objects, and it's just random thing headphones. I think it was a pair of sunglasses or something, and he picks up the belt, and Fandango, Fandango looks down, and he goes, oh, it's a championship. And Breeze, no, it's a belt. Yeah, it's a title. No, 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 it's, it's, it's literally a belt. It's to hold your pants up. <laughs> it was good. Uh, I actually really do like the Fashion Files. I, I really thought it was going to come to an end like three different times. It is one of the more entertaining things they do on SmackDown. I hope they don't run it into the ground. I'm always nervous they're going to, but they've done a really nice job with it. Um, although my sanity prediction for SummerSlam fell away. Uh, 
since they're now NXT Tag Team Champions. Yeah, and and Fashion Files, we didn't get anything, right, on SummerSlam? No, no, nothing for SummerSlam. All right, before we go, one last thing. The longest-reigning WWE Champion is no more as Asuka got injured and now has to relinquish her title. Could this be a good thing for Asuka? Because from what I understand, the injury should won't take her out terribly long as far as you know WWE injuries go. It's a broken collarbone, which I've seen take people out for a long time, but from what I understand, she might be back in a couple of months. Is this something where this is a great way to keep her undefeated, not what you planned, but a way to keep her undefeated and just have her maul through the main roster? Yeah, I think it was very, you know, um, convenient timing because it was getting to that point where she really had nothing left to do in NXT and they needed a way to get her up to the main roster without damaging her streak and now it kind of all came together because, you know, six, eight, ten weeks, you, you could get away with leaving her champion and just having her come back and, 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 you know, just go from there. Or you could use that as an excuse to say, okay, we're stripping you of the title, but also we're moving you up. So I think it was great timing. Um, you know, she got that last great match with uh, Ember Moon and... Um, It'll be interesting to see where she goes, what what brand she goes to, if if the phenomena lives. Because as we all know, there is a weird transition from NXT to main roster, and not everyone survives that weird transition. Will she be in the Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura camp? Or will she be more like uh, Sami Zayn? And Tyler Breeze and Bailey. Will, I guess time will tell. We will see. Uh, I guess I should throw one more thing out there. Adam Cole is officially in, in uh, NXT. I'm, uh, I'm losing a little bit. That's fine. I bring up Adam Cole and we start losing the podcast. Naturally. Bay-bay. Um, Bay-bay. Baby. All right. So um, we have a lot to talk about next week. We will uh, we'll be back with you next week. And uh, Cheap Seat Studios should be completely finished and ready to go by then. We're pretty close already. But uh, by the time my, my tag team partner reaches Cheap Seat Studios after his long vacation in a tropical paradise, uh, we should be good to go. I'm excited. Can we call it Cheap Seat Tudios? No. I'm putting okay. the kibosh on was, that right I'm now. I'm asking for somebody else. I, the I'm same put, guy that wanted Appetude Era. I'm, I'm... No, no, Vince, we're not. We're not going to do that. Okay. All right. So that's it for us this week. Uh, stay tuned for the plugs. And uh, any last words for the listeners? Uh, no. Oh, wait, we didn't. Uh, we didn't talk about the Reigns and Cena promo and how that related to a possible Cena Undertaker match. So I guess we could talk about that in like 10 seconds. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. We didn't bring up the fact that he said, you know, that the Undertaker was a old veteran with a broken hip. We didn't, we didn't say what he said. No, we didn't. Would you like to do a deep dive into the promo next week? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can I'm not see. saying that. I I'm, not, I, I'm not saying that in a snarky way. I really actually like the promo, and we'll t- make an excuse to watch it again because I thought it was it was wonderfully done. And uh, my girlfriend, alternative commentary to the promo. <laughs> my girlfriend, who who is not the biggest wrestling fan, she she tolerates it for my sake. But she pays enough attention to kind of know what's going on, and um, she, I heard her gasp a couple of times. She's been, I, I'm, she's been around it too much, man. It's, it's uh, yeah, you can't, you can't introduce her too much. She might start becoming one of those, uh, you know, basement dwelling wrestling nerds that we all hear about, but certainly aren't. I'm, I was about to say, I. I'm, <laughs> We'll just leave that alone. All right. We'll see you next week. Yep.
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for Over the Barricade podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. And don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.